I have a daughter, Audra, who is 10. And a daughter, Zoe, that is 12. And Audra, I, I get the joy, well, for both of them, usually, I either pick them up from school or take them to school. And so I get the opportunity to, uh, to, to be there at school with them. And I've noticed a couple things about playgrounds. Why don't you have a seat? I've noticed a couple things about playgrounds. And maybe you can think back to when, when you were in elementary school. And maybe these are in common. You know, I think back to mine, and they're, they're pretty common, okay? One is dreams. Dreams. Think back to your elementary days. Were you full of dreams? Did, did, you, did you have a lot of dreams? So this is what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the person to the left and say, when I grow up, I want to be, and then just fill that in, okay? When I grow up, I want to be, yeah, go ahead, there you go, okay? Now you can turn to the person to your right and just say, grow up, yeah. Well, dreams, I, I, I've noticed that in the eyes of the kids as they release from school. and you know, I've watched a lot of videos even this week, and maybe you've seen these videos where it's kids saying, when I grow up, I want to, you know, be a doctor. I watched one today. When I grow up, I want to be a doctor and a vet, and I want to fly airplanes, and I want to make ice cream. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty accomplished. You know, one person doing all those things, just full, just full of dreams. So I've noticed that in, in this elementary school. Another thing I've noticed, and maybe some of you can relate, is bullies. Bullying. Any of you been bullied? Huh? Okay, yeah. Well, we're going to form a group afterwards, like Bullies Anonymous, okay, so we can, we can all come together. But, it, but it's kind of like that kid that shows up, you know, to school, to elementary school, he has a brand new football or soccer ball, and he's so excited to play it, but he's only a second grader. So along comes a fifth grader. Hey, give me that ball. You know, and takes the ball and runs, or takes the lunch money. I've noticed that in elementary school as well. And, and if you're with me on that, and brings back bad memories. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've noticed that dreams in elementary. Notice bullying in elementary. And as we grow up, some of us, <laughs> we make decisions. We make mistakes. We make choices. We do things just to simply survive. A time is ticking by. Just slowly and slowly, time is ticking by. Some of us, these dreams that we had as elementary kids have turned into somewhat of like bitterness, sadness, frustration as to where we are today. Wants to think back to that time when we could dream wildly as a kid on the elementary playground of the, of the great things that we were going to accomplish with our lives. And can I have you write down something? Write this down. This is good. What time has stolen, God has taken back. What time has stolen from you, God has taken back. This is an Easter celebration. And when we're talking about Easter, it's a celebration. Because what we're talking about, time has stolen something from us. God has taken it back. <laughs> What the world has ripped from you, God has taken back. And what the bullies have stole from you, the ball that they have stolen from you, God has stolen it back. 
It's a celebration. The lies that the world is giving you and the people that are trying to deceive you, guess what? Jesus stands up and says, I have spoken the final truth. I have spoken the final truth. So tonight, I want to give you permission to let your mind roll a little bit. Think back to that elementary time. Think back to that time when you were free and you were running. Think back to that time. Because you know what? What time has stolen, God has taken back. Let me pray for us. God, in this place tonight, I pray that our hearts are receptive, that our minds are racing. God, we'll let all our guards down. We'll let you speak to our heart. We'll let you prod our minds. And God, in this place, we pray that your spirit is thick and teaching every one of us something. Pray that when we leave here tonight, we can smile, knowing that we have victory in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. This is going to be uh, an action-packed message, I warned you. So if you need to stretch it out, get your fingers moving, whatever you need to do, go ahead and do so, because we're going places tonight, okay? I'd like you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. We're going we're gonna to hit this verse, Luke 24. If you're following on version, then it's on there as well. Christianity is different from every religion in the world. And there's one thing specifically that sets Christianity apart from every human religion. And so we serve a Savior that's alive, that has defeated death. Amen? Amen? That's good. You better say amen to that. We need some interaction. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Absolutely. We serve a Savior that is alive. That's what sets Christianity apart from everything else. If you're a real intellectual person tonight, I want you to write this down. It's called Case for Christ. It's a book written by Lee Strobel. And Lee Strobel is a journalist, uh, an atheist that believed that there was no uh, God. And in his journey to prove that there was no God, God encountered him. And Lee Strobel found a relationship in Jesus Christ. So if you're in here today and you're a real intellectual type, I want you to write that down. I want you to go get that book. I want you to read that book. That's an incredible book. What we're talking about tonight is we're talking about a story. We're talking about a story. We're talking about your story. We're talking about my story tonight. And this is the story. I'm going to, I'm, we're going to do two stories kind of simultaneous. This first story is the story of Easter. Okay, it's the story of Easter, and a little more specific, it's the story of Jesus Christ. So write these three words down, life, death, and victory. In those three words, it describes everything that this Easter is all about, life, death, and victory. It describes everything in there, because life, Jesus was born, a human was born, God's son was born, and there was life. And he grew up, and he walked the earth, and all the disciples and, and the apostles at that time were with him, and, and then we come to this holy week that we've just come through in, in 2012 right now, this holy week called Easter, and there was this life that Jesus had, and then we get to that second word, and that second word is what? Death. Death. And if you're not familiar with the story of Easter... 
Jesus goes to the cross and he dies for us and for our sins. And so we hit that second word, death. And that's pretty terrible. Because we had life and now we have death. Then along comes that third word. What's that third word? Victory. Victory. The moment that Jesus rose up from the dead. We sang about that. That separates every religion in the world from Christianity because we have victory. And we can stand up and we can shout it and we can proclaim it that Jesus is risen from the dead. Woo, man. Sorry, I told you. It's coming. Luke 24, verse 9. What had happened Jesus had walked the earth. He had died on this cross, surrendered himself, willfully surrendered himself for us, dies, and is buried in a tomb. Some ladies come to look at the tomb. Something mysterious happened, didn't it? Something glorious happened. Verse 9. After they were at the tomb, they noticed it was empty. Angels came to them and said, He's not here. He's risen from the dead. Verse 9. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary and the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But Peter... I want you to underline that but. Remember, we, all, we always underline these buts because they're so important. But Peter, okay, but Peter rose and what did he do? He ran. But Peter ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home marveling at what he had seen. Peter, when he heard the news and these women went back and said, Jesus isn't there. He's risen from the dead. What did Peter do? He jumped up and he ran. Would you run? Peter, he was named Simon. Long time ago. Out fishing. Having a great day. Along comes this man named Jesus. He says, why are you fishing for fish? I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me. So Peter throws down his fishing pole, starts following Jesus with all his might. He's like, great. And then this is the same Peter that later on in the Bible, after he's following, Simon's name's turned to Peter, and, and he is following Jesus, and he walks on water. And he's looking at Jesus' face. He's walking on water. This is the same Peter. I'm explaining him to you because I, I think I'm a lot like Peter. I'm very passionate. I think Peter was very passionate because this is the same Peter that the night Jesus was going to go to the cross. Roman soldiers came in. And Peter, full of passion, grabbed a sword and cut off the ear of one of the, the high priest's servants, the guard's servants. Yet only hours after that, this is the exact same Peter that three times said, I don't even know this man. Denied Jesus Christ. Is this kind of like you? Maybe a little bit like me. This is the same Peter 
after Jesus has been dead for three days, imagine you just denied your best friend, the man that you thought was going to be the Savior, going to be the Messiah. You've surrendered your life to him. You stopped your career of fishing. You followed this man and he dies. And so for three days, you've been sitting around going, now what? Probably extremely guilty and very sad. You just denied your best friend. So when these women came to Peter and they said, he's not there, he's risen from the dead, what did he do? He ran! He ran to the tomb. And it was true. And he saw that that tomb was empty and he went home marveling. Do you think he went home with some tingles? I think he did. Do you think he slept that night? I don't think so. Peter. So our words, life, death, and victory, we know why there's victory. It's because Jesus rose from the dead. So that's the story of Easter. That's the story of Jesus Christ. Here's the second story. And this is kind of the, the big story that we all fit in. This is the story of our human lives. Or this is the story of the human race. So I want you to write these three words down. Good, stolen, given back. Good, stolen, given back. This is our story. God created the heavens and the earth. Created Garden of Eden. Two people there. Who were they? Adam and Eve. And he said, this is good. It was good because man had a relationship with God, the creator of everything. Is that good? That's good. And then along comes man, and man, we messed it up. <laughs> we sinned against God. We decided to go against God. And from that point forward, from that garden, of Eden, from Adam and Eve forward, man has been cursed. And you know what the curse is? Separation from that relationship with God. So our first word was good. Absolutely, Eden was good. It was beautiful. Along came man in the sin and doing wrong. And that relationship was stolen. I want you to turn to your neighbor. Tell him your biggest sin, the biggest thing you've ever done wrong. <laughs> nope. We won't do that. That's for another time. Would you raise your hand? Would you admit that you've ever done something wrong? Anyone in here? Every hand raised. Because there's not one man perfect. Except the man of Jesus Christ. So here comes that third word. Given back. What was good in the garden, what was stolen from us because the sin was given back to us because of the man of Jesus Christ, the Son of God who lived a perfect life, was given back to us. Because our sin has separated us from a relationship with God. We don't have the right to be in His holy presence. 
Because God is perfect and we are not. Which I love Colossians 1.13. Anyone know Colossians 1.13? This is good. This is what Colossians 1.13 says. God rescued us. I'm going to read from the message version because it's just a little translation thing. It's, it's, it's just kind of cool. This is what it says. God rescued us from dead-end alleys and dark dungeons. Separated from God? Of course, we're in dead-end alleys. We're in dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of the Son He loves so much. The Son who got us out of the pit we were in. Got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. Separate from God, separate from a relationship with Him, we're in a pit we cannot dig ourselves out of. We're in a vicious cycle of death. And so our three words, it was good, we had a relationship with God, then it was stolen from us because of sin, Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, and he gave us back that relationship right there. Is that good news? That is absolutely incredible news because that tells us what time has stolen from you, what time has stolen from you, God has taken back. In Ephesians 2.10, it says we were all, we were created and we're God's masterpiece and he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. You know what that says? That means today, as you sit here today, I don't care what you did today and what you did yesterday and what you'll do tomorrow, you are forgiven. Is that good news? Amen, that's good news. There's a thing called grace. Do we deserve it? Absolutely not. But our sin has separated us from Jesus Christ and we can jump up and down and like Peter, we can run and we can say, I am free, I am forgiven. Jesus was risen from the dead for us. That excites me. Does that excite you? Absolutely. Can we get an amen? Amen. God put things in you that's special and unique to you that only you can walk in. Satan came on your playground and stole your ball. I said stole. <laughs> he stole it. So Jesus went and kicked him in the tail and got it back for you. And he's handing you your ball back and he's saying, dream wildly. Because what time has stolen from you, God is giving it back. Because death couldn't keep him. What's in you dying to come out? Huh? Jesus Christ is in you. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ and surrendered to him and said, Lord, I will follow you. I surrender my life to you. He's inside you. And guess what's going to come out? I don't know. It's going to be good. Watch this video. Jared, pump this thing up because this is what's inside us waiting to come out. It's Jesus Christ.
for too long. Lifeless I've lived. With a faint heartbeat, I've walked these blue streets, lost in search of my life's purpose. Until I was awakened to the truth of the who I am found in. Unleashing the brilliant power unique to who I was created to be. You see, I'm more than what you see. Open more than your eyes and then you'll see the pulse of the creator in me. Beating like a drum with the sound of light. Ah, man. Now life like a fan feeding the flame this world can't explain. But I tell you this, I'm a prodigy. I couldn't catch them all. I've watched it a hundred times. Here's some of the words. For too long, lifeless, I've lived. For too long, lifeless, I've lived. Faint heartbeat, roaming the streets, searching for my life purpose until I was awakened to the who I am in. Who I am in. I'm more than what you see. I'm the pulse of the creator in me. I'm the pulse of the creator in me. <laughs> Who are you in Christ? How we're supposed to be when I unleash what's inside of me. And is it about me? No. It's about Jesus that's in me. How you feeling? Are you alive? Are you dreaming? Man, let's stand up. Let's stand up. Peter heard the news. Peter heard the news that his Savior was risen from the dead, that the tomb was empty, and what did he do? What did he do? He ran. He ran. Let's run. Come on, get in place and run right there. Absolutely. 
Because Jesus is in you. You wait and see what's unleashed from inside of you. The world needs you. The world needs you to walk in who God's created you to be. And it's not even about doing that. You know that? It's about being in love with Him and accepting that grace. Because without God, without Jesus dying on the cross and raising from the dead, we're empty. So in this place, I want us just to close our eyes. And I want us to think... What excuses are you giving God for not being sold out to Him? What excuses? Are you saying when I get around to it? Are you saying, okay, well, tonight I choose this? Are you saying that's not for me? Are you saying I'm just going to be complacent and go at life just in a jog? (laughs) Or are you the reverse? Are you saying, God, I want more of you and I'm going to run. I'm going to run towards you. Because I know that life without you is nothing. It's empty, it's void, and it's dark. I know on my own, I cannot do this. God, I need you. What story are you telling? Are you telling the story of your gospel and life about you? Or are you telling the story of Jesus Christ in you? That's the story that people want to see. That's the story people want to hear. And when you tell them that story, life has meaning. Life has purpose. And you can count on Jesus Christ. And you can walk with a smile knowing that he loves you and he's forgiven you you don't have to participate in the negativity of this world because we're not of this world run when everyone else is sitting what time has stolen God has given back So we're going to continue worshiping. In the back, you may need to run back there and take communion and just think of God and what he's done for you on that cross, how he defeated death for you and for your your sin. Maybe you need to sit down and you need to weep. You need to cry. Maybe you need to run in place. But let it come alive in you. It's not you. It's Jesus in you. God, I pray you move in our hearts and move in this place because in you there's life and we are alive.